I want to read to you from Luke chapter 1 today. Luke chapter 1, and I want to begin our reading in verse 26. This very, very familiar story this time of year. Um, I want to read this and ask you to read along. Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledge to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Well how can this be Mary asked the angel since I am a virgin. The angel answered the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be barren, is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. I want to look at that 38th verse one more time, and I just want to read it to you as it's rendered or translated in the King James. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Will you please indulge me for the just the next few moments? And I know for some of you this is really going to be a stretch. But will you try to imagine yourself in Mary's sandals for a little while? Our ladies did such a great job singing a song that helped us understand some of the possible emotions that would have been in her heart. Um, and so I so appreciated the good job that they did. But I want to remind you, Mary was a young Jewish woman, probably 13 or 14 years old, something like that, living in the life uh, uh, as a young Jewish woman in about 1 B.C. in what was known as her pledge year. This was a preparation for life as a new wife. Let me remind you a little bit about the culture and the time because it does seem odd that a young woman at age 13 or 14 could be engaged to be married. But in that culture, that was a fairly common thing. Let me tell you how it kind of transpired. First, the two families would come together and begin to negotiate a betrothal. There would be a, a they would agree to meet. They would there would be a meeting where they would discuss an upcoming marriage and arrange a marriage between children. And included in that negotiation would be a price for the bride that would be paid by the or to the bride's father. Next, after all of that was negotiated and and the payment was made, would come a public announcement. And on that public announcement, there was a year long pledge period pledge the year of pledge or a pledge year was something like an engagement today but there it, it was uh, much more binding and pretty more much more extensive 
Sexual relationships were not yet permitted between the husband and the wife. But legally, they were now husband and wife. The second step in this whole process lasted a year because it was intentionally a time to demonstrate the purity of the bride. Again, remember, this was a different culture than ours, and women were treated differently, and the standards for men and women were different in this culture than our culture is today. This waiting time demonstrated that the bride was a pure woman. If she were to become pregnant during this time, no matter what the reason, the marriage could be annulled and there would be a divorce decree. It would, families would make that decision. So while Mary and Joseph were pledged to be married to one another, they kept their purity. And they were in their pledge year and they had nothing had transpired between them that would have resulted in Mary becoming pregnant. So now will you imagine with me from Mary's perspective and understanding that moment when the angel Gabriel greeted her with the words, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And then when he begins to reveal to her that God was initiating the light of the world being dawned upon a dark world. Last week, we started our series that we are calling uh, The Light. And we looked at a verse in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, and we read this together. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And we took note that this is a prophecy. And this light that is uh, dawning upon a dark world is not an object. It's not the sun. It's not the moon. It's a person. It is Jesus Christ, the one and only Son of God. And we talked about what a wonderful thing is that the light of God has dawned on this world. Well, the moment that Mary is greeted by Gabriel is the moment when all of this is initiated. Remember, this prophecy had happened and and Isaiah had been written and the words were in the hands of the Jews for over. For 700 years, the prophecy is given and then nothing. Silence. They're waiting. They're waiting for the moment. Suddenly, in the middle of Mary's very busy planning pledge year, when she is getting ready and dreaming about what it will be like for her to be a bride and, and to be newly married, in the middle of all of her planning and all of her excitement, she is greeted by an angel. Can I just throw this out here for you to help you with your emotional state here as you are trying to project what you might feel in a moment like this. It's not every day that an angel greets you. And you know about it. And it's certainly not every day that you have a conversation with one. And suddenly Mary is confronted with this and then the plan of God is unfolded to her and she is told she, a virgin, is about to be pregnant and that God was initiating the dawning of the greatest light that has ever come to this world. The person of Jesus Christ was going to was going to develop. This is the moment when he would become a human being. Jesus, who is eternally God, would now become a human being. Talk about a lot to take in. 
Imagine that moment for Mary. And, and to me, this is an incredible exchange as we look at this. All of this all at once is, is at her. I believe she had questions. She had concerns. She faced a life-altering decision. So when you and I are reading here in Luke chapter 1 and we come to verse 38, it's easy for us to just skip past it and, and, and miss how incredible this young lady was. No wonder God chose her. I see in her more courage than 10 normal people put together. She looked Gabriel dead in his eyes and she said, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to what you've said. Let it happen. And I want to say to you, this moment changed everything. That moment when Mary acquiesced to what the angel was saying to her, opened the way for Jesus to become a human being. Moments after she mouthed these words to the angel, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and in her womb was placed a human being, and also the Son of God all at once, all together. And the light was initiated. Nine months later, the light was dawn. But it all starts with Mary looking at the angel and said, saying to him, let it be to me as you, as you, your word has said. Let this happen. I love that she says, behold the handmaiden or the servant of the Lord. Be it unto me, as you have said. May I ask you something? What if the Lord would single you out and he came to you with a specific plan for your life? And what if when God's call comes to you, it comes in very, very broad terms with almost no specifics and no answers to a lot of your questions? And what if all you do know is that God's call is about to reorder and absolutely change your life? Could you say what Mary said? Behold the servant of the Lord, be it unto me. Would you say it? Would you say it in spite of your questions? She asked, how can this be since I am a virgin? Mary couldn't get her head around how God was going to bring his plan in her life or for her life to pass. How can a virgin have a baby? That's a good question. How is this going to happen? How would such a thing be possible? I'm sure that there were so many more questions racing through her mind as the angel was having this conversation with her. I wonder if she wondered in her heart, is this real or am I dreaming? Am I really talking to an angel? I think there was a whole lot of questions. Maybe she began to ask herself, well, how am I supposed to tell Joseph if I'm pregnant? What if Joseph doesn't believe me? What if he divorces me? How could I possibly take care of a baby if I don't have a husband? Would I ever have a husband? Will there be public humiliation for me? Will Joseph become so angry and attempt to have me put to death? Which, by the law of the land, he could have done. How will God's plan affect my family, my intermediate family, my parents? How will they look upon me? What will people think of me? And I could go on and on and on, but you get my point. Questions? Of course she had questions. 
She had all kinds of questions. And just one chapter later, on the light that Jesus is born, the shepherds came to the stable and they revealed to, to her and Joseph, an angel or the angels of God appeared to us and they told us to, about him. And you can read in this, in verse 19, one chapter over where Mary, where it said, but Mary treasured up all these things and she pondered them. In her heart, of course, she had questions. And it wasn't just on that night that she met the angel or that day that she met the angel. She had questions all the way through this thing. Obviously, there would be questions in her mind. And my challenge to you is, can we can we say to God when we our heart is in our mind is full of questions? I'm the servant of the Lord. Be it unto me as you have said, frankly, The way that God unraveled his plan for Mary wasn't a new way of him doing so. And here's what I mean. It's basically what I refer to as need to know and trust. Because if you'll remember, uh, there are several stories in Scripture when God showed up to a human being and revealed to them he had a plan for them. And he didn't fill in all the blanks. Ask Abraham about what it's like to have the Lord speak to you and say, listen, Abraham, here's what I want you to do. Got a plan for you. I want you to pack up everything you got and all your family. I want you to head in that direction. And when you get to wherever you are supposed to be, I'm going to let you know. And when you get there, I'll tell you why I sent you there. How many of us would sign up for that or would like for God to just uproot us? Just take your family and leave. Get out of Northampton and head east. Or wherever it is that the Lord would tell you to do. A lot of us would have questions. Of course there were questions. But God did this a lot to people. When he told Noah, when he appears to Noah and he says, listen, Noah, I want you to go out into the desert. And something's going to happen that you've never heard of before on the earth. It's called rain. It had never rained before Noah. And so I'm going to flood the earth. That didn't even make sense to Noah's sensibilities. He didn't understand the concept of flood. And and then he is instructed, go out into a dry desert plain. And I want you to construct an enormous thing. It's called an ark. And it's really big, Noah. And it's going to take you a long time to build this, this, this big vessel. And oh, by the way, Noah... You just keep building and I'll give you the instructions. Here's how you build it. And uh, questions? Don't you think for Noah it was a little tough once in a while? Don't you think he had questions while the people were making fun of him and saying, what are you building that great big thing out here? That's nowhere near a river or anybody. What are you doing? Oh, I'm sure there were questions in his mind when the Lord revealed to him. Oh, and by the way, Pretty soon some animals are going to be showing up two by two. They're just going to kind of show up and let them in. I mean, it's kind of how God has operated up until this point. So questions, of course she had questions. And I just have to say something to you, brothers and sisters. We are in a culture and a, a mindset. We want God to fill in all of our blanks for us, don't we? We want to know. I got to know before I move. I got to examine this thing. I have to analyze. And some of you, God love you. You analyze things so much you can't move. You never have enough information. You'll never move off a dead center because you, you're not done analyzing. You're not done weighing the options. And what God would say is that's not the way I work. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you enough information to get you started. And then I want you to trust me. Will you say it in spite of your questions? 
Behold the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me as you have spoken. Even though you don't know all of what God has in store for you. And by the way, can I also just suggest to you, at least I'll speak for me. I won't speak for you. I don't want to know everything that God's going to put me through. I don't want to know. Because I would run. I'm just telling you, if 40 years ago, when I got saved, more than 40 years ago, when I got saved, God would have told me some of the things that I would travel through following him. I would have run. What I have learned, though, is that it is worth every moment. And so questions, of course, I'm sure that this lady had questions standing there. Of course she did. But hear me when I tell you this morning that God knows who you are. And he has a plan specifically for your life. No matter who you are, what you look like, where you've been, what you've done, he has a purpose. And it's a plan with purpose and meaning. And he says to you what Jesus said to his disciples, follow me. Follow me. Not a whole lot of details, not a whole lot of blanks filled in. Just obey me, follow me. And she acquiesced in in spite of all of her questions. So would you say it? Would you say it in spite of your concerns? I mentioned several reasons why Mary would have concerns. Her life would be on the line when she said yes. Literally. Her reputation. Almost no one would be capable of understanding God's plan for her until well after the fact. What I'm saying is I don't even think her own family members were able to get their mind around what Mary had to tell them. I'm pregnant. And I have in my womb the Son of God. Can I ask you, how would you respond if, you know, none of this had transpired and somebody from among us, some young lady said, now I'm still a virgin, but I'm pregnant and I'm carrying the Son of God. And it's God's plan to save the world from all of its sin. How would you receive that news? You know, a lot of us, if we were family members and that were our daughter, how would we deal with that kind of news? Honestly, That would be an amazingly difficult thing. Yes, she had concerns. And I know that the that the Virgin Mary today and many uh, traditions and churches is highly regarded by many people now. But how many of those how many people felt the way about her uh, that they feel now in her lifetime? I think she lived with a reputation because many doubted. And I wonder if she had any concern about the enormous responsibility of parenting God's son. She'd never been a mom before, let alone being the parent of God's son. Listen, I've been a dad for more than 30 years now, and I would not feel qualified to try to parent the son of God. I mean, it's one thing to mess up your own kid, but to mess up with Jesus and Are any parents here going to raise your hand and say, I I want my child to judge me one day for eternal uh, life or eternal damnation? I don't think so. (laughs) And all kidding aside, you talk about concerns. Yeah, you would have concerns if you had that kind of responsibility. And of course, Mary had concerns. Time for a little bit of real straightforward honesty for us here today. Most of you don't need me to tell you that God knows who you are and that he has a plan for your life and it's specific. And as you think about that, you probably have concerns too. What if God's plan is hard? What if God's plan is really different from my dreams? 
What are your concerns? What keeps you from saying what Mary said on that day? I am the Lord's servant. Be it unto me according to your word. What a powerful moment. That young lady having that courage to say that. And she meant it, by the way. Could you say it? Would you say it in spite of the complications that it would bring into your life? I've said before that there are times when God will deliberately orchestrate a trial for someone he dearly loves in order to reach a broken, lost person. If you don't believe that, talk to Paul and Silas who were minding their business, ministering before the Lord, and the Lord put them in a jail. He orchestrated the whole thing, and all they did was deliver a girl from demon possession. Suddenly, they're in a dungeon. Suddenly, they're beaten to an inch of their life, not because they did anything wrong, simply because they loved the Lord, and they did everything that the Lord wanted them to do. They're in a foreign land. They're not even home. And God orchestrates this whole thing, gets them where they need to be, it's this one girl keeps coming up and they, they delivered her in the name of Jesus from demon possession. That's all they did. And next thing they know, they're arrested. They're stripped naked in front of everybody. They're beaten severely and they're in stocks and bonds in the dampest, coldest, stinkiest dungeon. And I'm just saying to you that God will do that because he loves all of us equally. Yes, he loves you, Christian. Yes, he, he dearly loves you. You're his child. But don't think he won't put his child in harm's way to, to find another one. Don't think that he doesn't love the world as much as he loves you. I, I don't want to say this in an unkind way, but I'm not special. I'm just another one of his children. I'm not better than anybody else. And so God will do that. And he will complicate their lives. In the case of Mary and Joseph, God complicated her plans greatly and their lives greatly. They were just typical um, blue-collar, hard-working carpenter and, and a young lady. They were engaged to be married. They're looking forward to a cool life together, probably a very simple existence there in their town. That's what they had in mind. And I believe before Gabriel shows up, Mary is just thinking like a typical young lady would think about her wedding day and the excitement of that and then the excitement of being married to that handsome carpenter and all of that. And suddenly the Holy Spirit sends uh, Gabriel, God, God sends his angel Gabriel and their fruit basket gets turned right upside down. And it was done on purpose by God. He complicated their lives so that Jesus could dawn in this world. And thank God he complicated their lives. And thank God for a young woman who was willing to say, let it be as you said. And thank God for a man like Joseph who was thinking, I better quietly put her away. I don't want to kill her. I still love her. I still care about her. But I can't be married to her if she's carrying someone else's child. And and so he's ready to put her away. But Gabriel took care of that too. And by the way, Gabriel didn't bother to let Mary in on that little detail. That might have helped her just a little bit if he just would have said, now, listen, Mary, don't worry about Joseph. I'm going to take care of this. He didn't even tell her that. And so for all she knew, and she was concerned, I'm sure, for all she knew, that there would come the moment when she has to explain to Joseph everything. And in fact, she did. And this was before Gabriel shows up. She has to have that conversation, that hard conversation. Listen, Joseph, I need to tell you something very important. I'm pregnant. 
And it's with the Son of God. And, and he didn't believe her. I don't know how else to say it. He was trying to be nice about it. He was a noble-hearted man. So he was going to quietly put her away. I think, like, if there was, an, in that day and time, a mental health facility, he would have taken her there. That, that's the mindset of this man. And then the angel Gabriel shows up to Joseph while he is asleep in a dream. And it's one of those vivid, powerful dreams. The angel invaded his dream and said, listen, don't do this to Mary. You marry her. She is carrying the Son of God. And that man had enough heart to obey the Lord too. You don't think it concerned him? You don't think it complicated his life? Read the rest of the story. Watch how many times they had to move. Watch how he had to protect Jesus. It was complicated. It was difficult. And God was willing to do that. Why? To reach you. To reach me. And let's remember that Jesus' life was very complicated too. It was changed. When this whole plan was initiated by the Lord God, Jesus was in, the, in glory with his Father. And he reigned. And, and, and when this whole plan was initiated, Jesus chose to, to, to step away from all of his glory and all of his power and to become a human being. He didn't have to do that. That's complicated. He decided that he would be born like a, a regular human being because he became a human being. And he, he lived and, and went all the way from childhood into adulthood. And he knew... Going into it, that he, there would be a day when they would kill him. That's complicated. And Jesus chose all of that because we, to him, are worth reaching. And so I want to say, sometimes we say no to God because it just seems too complicated. It's inconvenient. It's not comfortable. And I, I say this a lot. God isn't interested in making you comfortable. I know that there are, there's a, a group of people who preach the Bible. They, at least they claim it's from, from the Bible that once you become the child of God, once you become His, you have a charmed life. You're going to have more money than you can think of. You're going to have more blessings coming. As long as you have faith, God's going to smooth your way and He's going to make it easy for you. There's nothing in Scripture that says that. It's the opposite. <laughs> Your life might get complicated when God gets a hold of you. He might inconvenience you once in a while. He might make things a little challenging for you. Why? Because somebody, he wants to use you to reach somebody else. Because he can use you to reach the lost world that we are part of. Amen. And folks, it might get more complicated for American Christians in our nation. Just might happen. I believe the rub with most people and Jesus is in giving control of our lives to him. I don't think we have any problem asking him to forgive us. I think we do that and we're glad that he's willing to forgive us. Our rub is when he wants us to um, live for him. God, just forgive my sins when I ask you to forgive me and leave me alone. God, look, I got plans and I don't want you to step in here and change those plans. I got it figured out. I know what I'm supposed to do. I've got my life plan all in place. Please don't step in and change everything. And that's why so many of us are so reticent 
to say what Mary said. Let it be to me as you, according to your word, I want you to have your will. Behold the servant of the Lord. Oh, that wasn't an ordinary statement, nor was it given by an ordinary person. No wonder God chose Mary and Joseph. Extraordinary people. The issue is if a person is really willing to say sincerely, as Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said, Lord. It means that you trust the Lord enough with your life to even let him inconvenience you and make things harder. One other thing. If somehow we are able to, we're able to sit down with Mary and I believe in heaven, we'll have those chances to, to meet and greet and, and I'm going to see some of my biblical heroes and people I just marvel at. I think um, if you were to sit down with Mary in heaven, And you were to say, um, Mary, was it tough? She would say, oh, yeah. (laughs) It was really hard sometimes. Did it scare you, Mary, when Gabriel appeared to you and you were so young? And, you know, what kind of things went through your mind? Did it complicate your life? She would say, most definitely. I had different plans, but it all changed. But I think also, if you were to say, Mary, was it worth it? She, without hesitation, would say, oh, it was wonderful. And this is the woman who watched her son die on a cross. But I believe she would say, yeah, it was worth it. It was worth having my life turned upside down and complicated. It was worth it to me. It was wonderful. So if you ask her, did you regret doing this? I think she would say, no way. I don't regret doing it. If you were to go to Son of God, Jesus Christ, and you would have said, Lord, everything you did, so many people rejected you. After all you did, was it worth it to you? You regret going to the cross? He would say it was worth every bit of it just for one. Because that's who God is. That's who Jesus is. Behold the servant of the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. It's what Mary, a courageous young woman, said to Gabriel. And moments later, that great light, the light of the world, the salvation of the human race, was inside of her womb. That was the moment when it all was initiated, when the light came. And that was the moment when he was here on earth, when he was conceived. You see, before he dwelled in the heart of any human being, Jesus was in Mary's womb. And he lived in her. So what if God's plan for you meant hard things? What if it meant change for you? What if it means your life will be a little more complicated? You willing to say, be it unto me, Lord, behold your servant, be it unto me. Are you willing to say, I'll follow the light of the world and do what he wants me to do? I will offer my life to him because he deserves everything I am.